0: Today's message I've entitled, Four Essential Truths About Jesus. We are still in the book of 1 Peter. We're in chapter 1. We have worked our way diligently through these passages. And I I will say, as I've probably said before, God's Word just continues to bear fruit. It continues to show us things. We could go back to the beginning of chapter 1 and start over and do a whole nother series of sermons outside of what we've covered up to this point, because there's just so much richness in God's Word to be drawn out. But in the interest of time, and out of deference to probably your patience, we will uh, continue. And uh, so we find ourselves today in the verses 20 and 21 of 1 Peter chapter now, in order to set the context, because I want you always to be mindful that Scripture kind of builds on itself. We have a tendency sometimes to look at a message uh, in isolation. You know, we see a verse or a group of verses, and, and then we forget the kind of the context and how it fits into the bigger picture. So often I will refer back to the previous passage or something just to set the context. And so it is here. You may recall from our message last week that the, the essence of, of that message last week was, if you call on Him as Father, conduct yourselves with fear, knowing that you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. So as we go from verses 17 through 19 and into verses 20 and 21, keep in mind that Peter here is Uh, is coming off of those verses and specifically about with the precious blood of Christ. And so then he goes into what I have kind of considered the credentials of Jesus. So as he's saying that you should conduct yourself with fear, you should know that you have been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus, then let's look at this person, Jesus. Who is he? What is the big deal about Jesus So the credentials of Jesus and what I have entitled the four essential truths about Jesus. So let me uh, share with you these two verses here that are, are short, but so incredibly powerful. Today's message may be shorter than some. This is where the clapping and cheering and all takes place. There you go. I knew it was coming. But. I want you to understand that it's not in the length of the message, it's in the power of the message. And what he has to say here is so powerful. These couple of verses, you could take these and meditate them on all week, this coming week, and I hope you'll do that, because there's just so much said here. Really, essentially, the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus is contained in these couple of verses here. So he says, He, again, Christ, the one he had just referred to, with the precious blood of Christ. So he goes on and says, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, the God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith, and hope are in God. If we boil this down to the four essential truths about Jesus, before I go there, I want to point out something. You know, we have been talking some within the church lately. There's been this kind of underlying uh, thread, a conversation that's been going on about being firm and solid in our faith not just our own personal faith, but knowing what we believe enough so that we can explain it to someone else and that we can answer questions. So let's say, for instance, if somebody said, okay, so you believe in Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? Well, you don't want to give some really compelling answer like, because my parents did, or I just always have. Or it seems like the best option to me. You want to have some better answers than that. and You certainly want to have answers that are founded in God's Word. So today is a great opportunity for you to start that process. So if you have the resources to jot these things down, either manually, you know, with a like an actual pen or pencil, or put them into your phone or tablet or something, I'd encourage you to write these four essential truths down number one from our scripture today we know that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world that's something that is unique something that is distinct that sets Jesus apart so if someone asks why do you believe in Jesus you could say because he was foreknown before the foundation of the world I'm going to give you scripture to support that The second essential truth about Jesus is that He was made manifest in the last times for our sake. The third essential truth, He was raised from the dead. And then lastly, the fourth essential truth, He was glorified. So those four things are contained within these two short verses here. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So let's drill down a little bit here. Squeeze these verses to see what we can get out of them. First of all, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. You know, we worship and serve what is referred to as a triune god triune tri being three and un uh, representative of unity or united or uh, contained a whole so we worship and serve a triune god which is often in theological circles referred to as the trinity perhaps you've heard the doctrine of the trinity talking about the three in one god that we serve Uh, This God is composed of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some would say Father, the Word, and Holy Spirit because we see in the Gospel of John that uh, Jesus essentially is the Word. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a triune God, the doctrine of the Trinity. We see this specifically illustrated in the earliest pages of our Bible in Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26 It says, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. God said this. Our God, Jehovah God, said this. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So, obviously, there is some plurality there. The next verse. In Genesis 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in His own image. Notice the change there? We've gone from the plurality of uh, us and our to in His image. So there is a plurality, yet there is a consummate unity in the Godhead, the Trinity of God. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. In this Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, obviously Jesus is there. Jesus is represented in this statement we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make Him in our image after our likeness. Jesus was there before the foundation of the world. Jesus was there. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. We see further evidence of this in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Right? So blessed is God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. He says, even as He chose us in Him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He was there for eternity past. He was there in the beginning when God, the Trinity, spoke all things to an existence. Our passage goes on. Our second truth, our second essential truth of Jesus is that He was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Now, one thing to understand is this last times phrase. There may be a tendency sometimes for people to think uh, that phrase, last times, as some... um, um, Apocalyptic period, you know, we see in Revelation or Daniel or something. That it, it's not this. This phrase "last times" occurs frequently throughout uh, the New Testament, and the idea there is that the time from Christ's appearing, Christ dwelling here on earth, until His second coming, His return from heaven, this time that we live in, is the last times. Any time from when He was here to until He returns is considered the last times and so he says here that he was made manifest in the last times for your sake for your sake Jesus came and dwelt among us Jesus came as a child and lived a perfect life and died a cruel death on a cross to pay for the sins of man he came he was manifest in these last times for your sake he came as the embodiment of of God. He became a man and dwelt among us so that we might see some representation, some physical manifestation of God. He came and did that for your sake, for you. Just to make it real, he did that for you, okay? Not you collectively, but he did that for you. As an individual, you maybe have heard it said that if it it was only for the sake of one person, Jesus would have come. He would have left heaven and come and lived as a man and died on a cross for one person. You're that one person. He came. He was manifest in the last times for your sake. We see such a beautiful representation of this in the Gospel of John. There are several verses there in the Gospel of John. I'm just going to kind of read through these because I want you to get the general flow of what is being said here. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word, of course, being a synonym for the Lord Jesus. He is a physical manifestation of the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning, Jesus was there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You see this? So He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was there. Jesus was a part of the creation process because He is God. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. In that verse, we begin to see the next truth there, that He was made manifest in the last times for your sake, that He was manifest, that He was manifest. So we see that He came, He dwelt among us. He was in the world, yet the world did not know Him. And then continuing in the Gospel of John, a little further down, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known, the Lord Jesus. The physical manifestation of God has made God known to us. No one has seen God, but He who sits at the right hand of the Father, He, the Lord Jesus, has made Him known. We know God through the person of Jesus Christ. This is further evidenced in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And He was manifest in the last times for your sake. Next, in our passage this morning, we see that He was raised from the dead. Peter's sermon at Pentecost, you may recall the story that the disciples were there. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to preach a word to those who were there. There were people from many different regions who spoke different languages. And so in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, found in Acts chapter 2, Peter there says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and you killed him by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24 says, God raised him up. Hallelujah. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. He could not be held by death because God raised him up. He was raised from the dead. So we see that One of the essential truths of Jesus is that He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Another essential truth is that He was manifest in the last days, in the last times, for your sake. We also see that He was raised from the dead. And lastly, the fourth essential truth, He was glorified. You may recall the story of the Last Supper. Jesus and his disciples, the night before he was crucified, they gathered together to actually celebrate what was the Passover meal. And while they were together, there was much discussion that was had, and Jesus essentially revealed who would betray him and identifying Judas. Then Judas gets up and leaves the supper we find out later that judas leaves the supper to go and tell the authorities about where jesus was and he was uh in cahoots with them and he was going to lead them to jesus so they may arrest him but so all the disciples have been there and it's the last night before jesus is to be arrested and crucified judas gets up and leaves And we pick up in John chapter 13, verse 31, it says, When he had gone out, Jesus said to the remaining disciples, Now is the Son of Man glorified, because he knows that Judas has set in place a continual action that will lead to his death upon a cross. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. See, because of Christ's submission, because of the submission of the Son to the Father, because of his willingness to die on a cross for your sake, he becomes glorified because he brings glory to the father because everything that Jesus did points to the father and so it is with us that everything that we do should point to the father should point to God our lives should be a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God our lives should be a sign pointing to God everything we do should glorify him and so it was with the son he knew that this tragic death would result in glory for God. Now there is a misunderstanding many times among people that somehow the death of Christ was some tragic accident. It was God's plan somehow gone terribly wrong, that He must have had something else planned and and, and it, it got off track, it got off course and it ended up resulting in the death of Jesus, that He was some sort of tragic victim. It's not the case at all. From the foundation of the world, Jesus was on His way. You realize that? Because everything about Jesus, everything about the Bible, everything about the stories in the Old Testament, everything about the New Testament, everything about the revelation is about bringing glory to God. So Jesus, the Son of God, came to die on a cross that he might bring glory to God. In Philippians, we see again that Jesus was manifest for your sake. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he humbled himself so that God the Father may glorify him. So our fourth essential truth here is that Jesus was glorified. We see further down in Philippians chapter 2, it goes on and it says, Therefore God has highly exalted Him, because of His willingness to be submissive, because of His willingness to come and live a perfect life, and down a cross, therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was glorified. Four essential truths about Jesus. You should know these things. You should understand these things. You should meditate on these things. You don't have to do it word for word, but you should essentially commit them to memory and make sure that you understand them. Maybe make note, mental note, of some of these verses so that when people ask you questions like, so you say you believe in Jesus, why do you believe in Jesus? What's so special about Jesus? And you can share with them four essential truths about Jesus. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He was made manifest in the last times for your sake, and He was raised from the dead, and He was glorified. But what I don't want you to lose sight of, this is not an academic exercise. It is the truth of God's Word. It is powerful for the salvation of men. So I want you to understand what is really important about this passage. And before you go trying to explain it to someone else, I want to make sure that you understand it. That you don't understand it just in your head, but that you have it in your heart. That Jesus is the Son of God. That He is a part of the Trinity. That He is a part of the Godhead. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He's not an option. He's not a good option. He's not the best option. He's the only option. If you want eternal peace, if you want to spend eternity in heaven, united with God and other believers, you don't get to pick and choose. God created the universe and all that we know He makes the rules. And His rule is that no one comes to Him lest He is called. No one comes to Him unless He comes through the Lord Jesus. For He is the only way to salvation and eternal peace. You must have that secure in your own heart before you go trying to explain it to someone else. So I ask that you would take these essential truths, that you would read over them, that you would meditate on them this week, that you would make sure that you've got that firm in your own heart so that you believe it and you know that you know that you know that you have a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust that through that process that God will reward you by embedding those truths those essential truths of who christ is in your own heart so that you then in turn will be able to share those effectively with other people perhaps those who have not heard he was foreknown before the foundation of the world he was made manifest in the last times for your sake he was raised from the dead and he was glorified I leave you with this last thought. Not only was He glorified, but He is glorified. Right now, today, in heaven. All of the angels cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Lord Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Scripture says that He sits there next to God the Father, ever interceding on our behalf. That's encouraging to me. I know it's simple, it seems almost childish, but I think a lot of times about Jesus sitting there next to God the Father and He's saying, that's Frank. That's right. He's one of mine. See? Much like I do now as a grandfather. You know, I'm going around wanting to show pictures and tell, yeah, let me tell you, she was drooling earlier. Did y'all see that? She was drooling. It was great. I hope you didn't miss that. Jesus, speaking to the Father on our behalf, He's saying, there's one of mine. There's a child of mine. Jesus is being glorified even today as we speak in this moment. He he was glorified through His death and resurrection. He is being glorified right now. And He will be glorified for eternity. He will never stop being glorified and one day those of us who have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ will be called up into heaven and there we will spend eternity with him and you know one of the things that we'll be doing we'll be glorifying God we will do that for eternity we will proclaim his righteousness we will proclaim his majesty We will glorify Him. But you know, we don't have to wait. We have the privilege even now to glorify Him. And so as I wrap things up here, and Tyler and the crew come back up, I want you to think about that. Think about these essential truths of Jesus. Think about what He has done for us. Think about what He is doing for us as He sanctifies us, as as He helps us through the Holy Spirit to grow spiritually and for what He is doing for us as He promised that He would prepare a place for us and that we have a place to go, that we have a place in heaven reserved for us, for those who have a relationship with Him. So as Tyler and the crew come up, I want you to prepare your hearts. And as we sing these final songs today, I want you to lift those words up in praise and adoration, glorifying the Lord jesus christ let's pray father i thank you so much for blessing us father for blessing us with your word and this morning father i just feel a sense of your desire to fill us with your spirit father those of us who have a relationship with the lord jesus we have the indwelling holy spirit but we so often squeeze him out we allow so many other things into our lives into our hearts into our minds that we give him one little small corner somewhere in our lives and we don't allow him to fill our lives father i pray this morning that you would help us Help us to open up our hearts, our minds, our lives, to throw the doors and the windows wide open and say, Father, fill me with Your Spirit. Father, may we do that in this time of celebration and adoration as we lift up praises to You, to glorify You. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our holy God, Father, may we sing Your praises triumphantly as we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Amen.